0: Hey guys, how's it going this week? We have Parker Bishop on the podcast. He is a good friend and I'm excited to talk to him. He's going to be talking about his career in Roseville, then his pathway to Northwood, and then he decided to go play ACHA right out of high school. He played for Stony Brook, which is a Division One program for ACHA, and his career came to an abrupt end. He had to retire a little bit early from the game when he had several severe concussions. Listen to him tell his story. He is there to help anyone that has Any concussion problems or worries or anything, he's super easy to talk to. At the end of the podcast, he throws this information out there. And I advise anyone who's interested or really feels something from this podcast or listening to him talk that they reach out to him. And super easy to talk to. So definitely, definitely, definitely reach out to him. Enjoy this. Before we jump into that, I... I have kind of been asking everyone throughout the podcast, like, hey, like, what's your school? What's your program? Like, wherever you're playing, what are they doing for the upcoming season? Like, how is that going to go about? Have you heard anything? And so I decided that I would do a little bit of research, and there's so many leagues out there. So I'm sorry if I don't touch on your league or your team. But here's a little bit of general information of what I could gather about the coronavirus and how we're going into, you know, Our 2021 season. So here I am on USA Hockey website. They released an update Friday, July 17th. USA Hockey has announced that it has canceled a trio of disabled hockey events that were scheduled to take place this fall, including the USA Hockey Warrior Classic, which was set for October 8th through 11th. The USA Hockey Sled Classic presented by the NHL, scheduled for November 19th through the 22nd, and USA Hockey, Special Hockey Classic, set for December 4th through the 6th. They also released another update Wednesday, July 15th. USA hockey announced it will not stage the 2020 World Junior Summer Showcase that was set for July 24th through the 31st at the USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan. They also canceled all of the select camps for the summer. Kaha, which is California Amateur Hockey Association, released on the 20th of July that they will not even be holding tryouts until October for all of their tier programs. They don't even think about playing in California club hockey until October. The Nall is having all of their combine camps right now, so it looks like maybe they're looking at going on with their season as planned. Then the Western State Hockey League, their commissioner put out a statement saying that People really need to go support them. They're only allowed to have 50% occupancy at their games for fans. But the commissioner was saying that if that 50% isn't fulfilled, there's a chance that these teams won't get to play not due to COVID, but due to the fact that the league and the teams themselves wouldn't be able to afford it, that it is really a, they depend a ton on fans and ticket sales. So the commissioner, Ron Robinson, said that. And that statement came from the CBC sports page written by Donna Spencer on June 18th. The USHL just released an article on July 10th and it states the United States Hockey League, the only tier one junior hockey league in the United States announces Friday it plans to start the 2021 season this fall. With the intentions to play a full schedule, the Board of Direct met Thursday in the first of a series of weekly scheduled Zoom calls to review return-to-play protocols for the coming season based on the latest recommended COVID health precautions. So it sounds like the USHL is planning on just going for it, full schedule. I know also I didn't add in before, but the null said that they're going for their full schedule also. Another update I found was Ashland Hockey Tournament. This article comes from the Wisconsin Prep Hockey website. This was released July 14th. It says that the Ashland Hockey Tournament had 13 people test positive for COVID after that tournament. The Ivy League's All Ivy Leagues did announce that they are postponing all sports until January. I have seen that some football teams, though, are going to try and play their games this fall says here on ESPN.com, Oklahoma moves up football opener versus Missouri State to August 29th. It's kind of wishy-washy. It's a little bit up in the air right now, kind of what everyone's doing. As we all know, everything's changing on the day-to-day. But I thought that you guys would like a little bit of update. I did think this was interesting that the football teams, some of the D1 football teams were trying to get themselves prepared for the upcoming season, and it is just not going that well. Here's a quote from the ESPN website. It says, latest news and updates on Rutgers quarantine football team after six more positive tests. Saturday, July 25th, the Rutger, Rutgers Scarlet Knights have stopped all in-person team activities in quarantine, The entire football program, after six additional positive tests for COVID-19, were announced Saturday. The program has had 10 total positive tests since returning to campus on June 15th. And then Michigan State to quarantine. After pausing workouts Wednesday, the entire Michigan State football team will go into quarantine or self-isolation. For a 14-day period following a second member of the staff and athletes both testing positive for the coronavirus. So we will see how this 2021 season comes about. Hopefully it all works out. I know we're probably all getting cabin fever, but we will see how it goes. On the brighter side, here is the interview with parker bishop he is so fantastic so down to earth just great to talk to and i hope that you guys enjoy it thank you give this podcast five stars don't forget to subscribe enjoy the podcast thank you where are you in roseville
1: yeah i'm just in my house i'm in the backyard
0: nice you came up to visit for a couple of days your family came camping
1: Yeah, super quick trip. Like, we literally got there Monday and left Wednesday. So it was quick, but we stayed at Tahoe Valley Campground in my dad's camper trailer. I was busy during the day, but we hung out every night, which was fun. Took paddle boards out. Bam, that was cool.
0: I like the fresh haircut.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I needed it. It was getting (laughs) freaking crazy.
0: You miss the afro?
1: I do. I do. It's going to come back, though. I'll bring back the wintertime afro for sure.
0: Do you know what you're doing in the fall? Do you have anything planned?
1: I mean, we're going to be doing some sort of teaching, just not regular. So we'll be online doing distance learning. I don't really know what it's going to look like yet, but there's no way we start normally.
0: But you're still with the school in Oregon?
1: Yep. I just delayed my acceptance to the master's program in Spain for a year, so I'm still going, but next year.
0: Craziness.
1: Lots of stuff going on.
0: How did you Hi. get into playing hockey?
1: How did I get into playing hockey? Well, I started out as a pretty heavy soccer player here in the Sacramento area, and I just played competitively for a long time. And then one season, I got a two new teammates, and they were from Germany, and their family was from Germany, and they are big ice hockey players, and I got just got along with them mostly, and so I hung out with them a lot, started going to their games, watching hockey, playing street hockey with them in their driveway, like just messing around, so that was like my first exposure to the sport, and that was like probably when I was about 12, 13, so a lot later than most East Coast hockey players that get their start when they learn learning how to walk, basically.
0: Damn, you started at 12? Yeah. Had you yeah, skated 12, before?
1: A little bit, but not really. I mean, I took some hockey lessons when I was younger, but I moved up rather quickly, and I got to the point where I was playing with kids that were a lot bigger than me. So I kind of got scared because I was super young, so I quit for a long time, and then I picked it back up as an early teenager.
0: How'd you like playing in Roseville?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, I've had the opportunity to play in a lot of different places in multiple countries now, and to this day, my time in Roosevelt, that was probably the most pure fun I've ever had with the sport of hockey. Like, I'm still in contact with multiple teammates from that team, and that's not very common for a youth hockey team, so I loved it. I carry a lot of love for that sport, or uh, for that team specifically, just because of how much fun it was, and just Stress free.
0: That's unreal. I heard you got to be a captain while you were there.
1: Yeah, somebody <laughs> came up with the crazy idea of giving me the C. So that was really fun for me. It gave me like my first opportunity to like really be a leader. I mean, it was different because coming from uh, Roseville or Sacramento, there's no high school hockey. So you're just doing everything club hockey. And I mean, I wasn't very involved in any of the schools that I went to other than just going to classes didn't play any sports, I would have to still take P.E. because I wasn't an athlete, right? (laughs) All that stuff. And so playing for the club was awesome, but definitely a lot different.
0: It is kind of bizarre playing hockey in California. I remember, like, no one really did it when we were younger. My whole high school, I think, had me, Michael Kahn, Corey, and, like, maybe two other people out of, like, all of Foothill.
1: Okay.
0: Kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, it was even less where I was at the schools I went to. I was I was the only hockey player. I didn't really know anybody else. There was actually one other kid I knew at my high school before I went to, to New York that played hockey, and it was literally us two out of the school of two thousand.
0: That's insane. Yeah. So, how did you find your way to Northwood?
1: Started with the coaching staff here at Capital Thunder in Roseville. Our coach, Mike Duye, was from state of New York, like Ithaca type area, Syracuse, all that stuff. So he actually organized a complete trip for our entire team to fly out together from Sacramento, fly into Albany. And we ended up doing a whole tour of a bunch of different prep schools. I got to remember it's been a long time. We, I think we did four schools. We did Husak first and then we did. Northwood, which is where I ended up going, uh, we'll get into that. And then we did uh, NSA, National Sports Academy, and I think they folded. I don't think they're a thing anymore, a school or a hockey program. And then Albany Academy. And so we had the opportunity to fly out there, and we played some of the schools. We didn't play Northwood because their team was traveling at the time. Um, so we just toured the school, and I ended up flying back couple months later to do a shadow day and follow a student around to their classes and see what a day of school was like and everything. And I was just in love. I loved it. It was the best. Like, just a hockey player's dream. All you do is have access to the best gym, high school gym that I've probably ever seen. So you get to train all the time, and then you get to skate at the Olympic Center, which is uh, a dream, obviously.
0: At that point, did soccer start to take a little backseat?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it didn't take more than two years for me to completely ditch soccer. It just got to the point of playing both sports competitively. I was traveling around so much that my parents nor I could sustain that pace. It, would, it got to the point where I'd have a game, a morning game in Sacramento, yeah, a soccer game, and then I'd have a hockey game in San Jose that night. And so I'd play the soccer game all day and then we'd rush and drive and I'd changing the car into my track suit the hockey warm-up stuff and then I'd run into the rink and warm up for the next game you can only do that for so long so it didn't take me long to ditch soccer and then I'd say by 14 I was only playing hockey
0: you won a championship at Northwood though for soccer
1: Uh, yeah so it was funny because uh at Northwood Every student, even the non-athletes, you have to be, everybody's three sport athletes, so you gotta pick up some sort of activity that the school offers. And so I played soccer in the fall, which was a super fun way to get to know kids before hockey season started and you started hating each other because you were fighting for spots on all the different teams. So that was, you started out with soccer, which was great. And we actually, so I was one of the only ones with like previous soccer experience and coming from California. It's basically like East Coast hockey. California soccer is pretty killer. And so I was significantly better than most of the average squad just based on the fact that they never really played soccer until they got to Northwood. So I picked that up. And then at the end of every year, there's this big tournament in Old Forge, New York. And when I say big, it's big for upstate New York. There was only four teams. (laughs) So the first game is the semifinal. (laughs) So no matter what, you're in the semis, which was pretty sweet. So all we had to do was win one game every year to get to the finals. And then the first year we, we went into penalty kicks in overtime and I ended up making the last save to win the championship for the school my first year. So that was really cool. Um, and then the second year we just won it flat out. I think it was two to one or three to one or something like that. But yeah, the soccer tournament was super fun because it was literally a field of hockey players against a field of soccer players, and it was just a bloodbath out there. Dudes were dropping left and right. We were, people were dropping shoulders and <laughs> hitting guys. It was the most aggressive soccer I've ever seen.
0: Jesus! And how was yeah. the hockey at Northwood?
1: It was great. It's even better now. I mean, but for me, coming from AA California hockey, going to place where. I mean, everybody I knew was a AAA East Coast hockey player coming from different clubs. And so I came in pretty intimidated, to be honest, coming into the East Coast hockey scene and the prep school hockey environment was a big learning curve for me. But, I mean, I hopped right in it and just fit right in. And, and the coaches were, were pretty great my first year, second year but they just really invest in the players. All you do really is just go to school and play hockey. There's really not much to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you've mentioned something to me in the past. Can you talk about how your prep school and, like, the college counselors kind of pushed you straight into college and didn't really acknowledge the whole junior process?
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they didn't acknowledge the junior process, but at the time where I was at in Northwood, if you weren't, an NHL prospect, they didn't really care to push you push you on, so I was left on my own to figure out my next steps. I mean, juniors was like, I had offers to go to camps and everything, but it got to the point where I had applied to a bunch of schools and I was getting responses from there, and I had only gotten an invites to camps. And so I was scared that if I said no to these acceptances for school, and then I went to these camps and I got cut from all of them. I would be out of school and I would not be a hockey player. And that was like worst case scenario for me. So the college counselors at Northwood, one of them was actually incredible. He helped me find Stony Brook. His name's John Spear. He still works at Northwood. But he helped me out a ton and gave me a bunch of different options of, of club hockey programs that were still very competitive, specifically D1 ACHA programs. And then that's where I ended up finding Stony Brook and just sent the coach, sent the program a little highlight video that my brother made me from the Northwood tournament and then just took off from there and then went to a visit. And so yeah, it was a quick transition, but I ended up being a 18 year old freshman on a, on a college hockey team where the average age, I mean, when I was there, I was 18 and my first year, there was a senior that was 25. And so, it was a big change coming from a little high school boys game to to the straight men, basically.
0: I bet. It. Do you think that's the only thing that kind of separated you from the players that went in after juniors, is the age thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt I had the skill, and I mean, it showed. I got a bunch of playing time my first year, which was fortunate. I mean, definitely had to work for it and earn it, but... I was put myself in a position to get a bunch of ice time as a freshman, won a couple awards my, my rookie season, which was really cool. We ended up making it to the ACHA Frozen Four. It's not as legit as the NCAA Frozen <laughs> Four. But it was still an awesome experience as an 18-year-old to make it to the national tournament and to make it to the top four in the country. So I wear that proudly in my first year. I mean, I think that was the best hockey team I ever played on was my freshman year at Stony Brook. I, just some of the players that were there. We had My freshman year, we had the MVP of the entire league, J.T. Hall. That kid is, I think he's the best player I've ever skated with, to be honest. <laughs> he's just so freaking good. sees the ice, hands, vision, everything.
0: Hell yeah, that's unreal. Would you advise other people to go play ACHA?
1: Yeah. I mean, it... It's such a case by case thing for each player, but for me coming from a top ten ACHA program, the top ten teams in the ACHA Division One are are legit and can compete with any NCAA division three team and I'm very confident in saying that just based on the talent that I've seen. I mean, we played Adrian my sophomore year, Adrian College out of Michigan, and they had guys from the Czech Republic and Sweden, and, like, it's it's legit hockey, legit players coming through. And so there's a lot of stigma behind ACHA because, yeah, technically it's club, and any time a hockey player sees club, they, they just want to brush it off and because they're looking for that NCAA title, and they won't want to wear that. And I understand that because I was there at one point too, but you got to do your research and realize that there's some legit talent coming through ACHA programs and there's ways to go from ACHA to uh, professional leagues. I mean, like I said that, uh, JT Hall, he went and played pro in Germany for a season. We have other guys that made it to the ECHL, right? So then there's a lot of division three transfers that come through schools. When I was at Stony Brook, we had at least half the roster was D three transfers. So don't, uh, don't sleep on the ACHA, I guess, but the, the D two and the D three ACHA, that's where the, that's where the talent kind of starts to get lost and that's just where it becomes more club actually and like for fun but top 10 of the division one is is it's pretty legit
0: do you have a favorite hockey moment
1: favorite hockey moment yeah yeah that's a good one probably winning the winning the league my freshman year that was sweet we ended up winning our conference that frick what was such a long title E S C H L or something like that i don't even remember but <laughs> <laughs> Some long league title, but we won it, and it was super cool. We got to the play in the uh Hershey Hershey Bears old arena, where Will Chamberlain put up a hundred hundred points. So that was pretty historic. Playing in that rink, that was cool. And then afterwards, we took the took the trophy out, which is literally just a big bowl, it's like a big cup. You just take it to the bar, and the bartenders <laughs> thrown it for free all night. It's fantastic.
0: That's unreal. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> What team do you feel most connected with?
1: Well, I'm going to say all of them, to be honest. I mean, I came away from from each team. I didn't play for a lot of teams. Most kids kind of bounce around a lot more. I only played for three. I played Capital Thunder, Youth Hockey growing up here in Roseville, and then I uh, did Northwood for two years and then Stony Brook, and that was it. So, man, a little bit of both because I came away from each one with some of my closest friends that I still carry to this day from – I still talk to three of the kids from there. Those are three of my best friends from Northwood. I got three kids from there that we've gone on trips together every single year. We've gone to Montreal and Amsterdam and California. So we're doing trips with them. And then Stony Brook, I got a couple of my roommates that I'm still in touch with every day, doing video calls throughout quarantine and all that. So I just look at it as different experiences. Northwood was the most intense hockey i ever played in terms of how sh- strictly it was run basically mm-hmm. and how intense and just like very hardcore hockey experience and then capital thunder that was the most pure fun i ever had growing up that was the best start to, to hockey i could have asked for and then stony brook was just was great to experience playing with such older talent as well to go from because you go from high school and you're only playing with an age range of four four years, four to five years. And then you get to college and it gets spaced out a lot more. And you're playing with kids that are seven, eight years apart. And so to, to, to adjust and grow physically and mentally in college from that was really cool.
0: Do you want to touch on how your hockey career came to an end?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing over everything that I was actually super excited to talk about today, using you as a, a nice platform. To bring some awareness to it. So I had a very abrupt end to my hockey career. It was very unexpected. So starting sophomore year, I got my, my first concussion during gameplay in, in Michigan. I ended up healing from that one. It took me four weeks. So first concussion taking four weeks to heal is kind of a long one, but no complications from that. But then less than a year. Later, I ended up getting a, a second one uh, in Delaware, and then that one from there, I just had a bunch of complications and went a lot longer than than a month. It's actually been three years now since that, so I was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome, and at the time, I hadn't left hockey or anything like that. I was just on the sidelines with concussion symptoms, trying to heal up, be just hanging out, basically waiting, trying to do what I can to 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 heal myself. You know, trying to do the dark room type stuff, or just closing the eyes and no loud noises, sunglasses all the time. I didn't go out, didn't drink, didn't do anything for for at least a year. But during my recovery from my second concussion, that I was having all those complications from, I was skating just on my own in the summer, just lightly, no contact, doing nothing. And I ended up taking an unfortunate fall and hitting my head off the ice and getting my third concussion in a year and a half on top of all those complications. And then that one is where it got real serious for me. I mean, I couldn't take my sunglasses off ever. I was wearing them inside the supermarket, in the house, and just super bad whiplash, memory problems, couldn't look at a TV light noise sensitivity, all that good stuff, typical concussion symptoms. So that third one was really tough. And then from there, saw a bunch of concussion specialists and they never told me that I had to uh, leave the sport or retire. But just based on how I was feeling and the way things were going, I just, I was, honestly, I just didn't, I didn't want to put myself in a position to get another head injury just after realizing how, how serious they are and how they need to be taken into account and properly treated. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride for sure. I mean, I'm 23 now and it's been every single day with concussion symptoms from 20 to 23. I I remember I started getting them before my 21st birthday, actually. So it's been, that's how I kind of keep a gauge on it, 20 to 23 with, some severe concussion symptoms but i mean i'm doing way better than a year ago even i mean at the time during the heat of it all i wasn't even able to uh i'd get on the stationary bike in the rink in the locker room for like five minutes and that would just send me into a spin zone and i was not able to focus or i would just have a pounding headache and get a little dizzy and nauseous so but i mean now i'm got a road bike and I'm hitting 30 mile rides and doing a bunch of cardio. And so it's, it's fantastic now, but still, still daily affected, which is pretty, pretty crazy.
0: So the recovery process was not easy.
1: No, no, not by any means. It's still a (laughs) continual process, but, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of treatment. Some vestibular therapy, which works on like your balance and in your inner ears and how your body takes into account of where you are in space. And then I did some, some vision therapy working on training my eyes to work together again. Cause my, eye, my right eye kind of got affected and wouldn't focus on the same thing as the left. And that would cause some even, some even more head, headaches and complications. But so I still do vision therapy weekly, do it a bunch. It's basically just part of my workout routine now. I just treat my eyes as a different part of the muscle, right? So
0: that is so scary. It is crazy, especially in hockey. It's like hockey and football, even lacrosse, the sports are so high contact.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's really It's been really tough for me coming out. Um, I mean, I haven't played much hockey in the last two years. I've probably been on the ice twice and I barely watched hockey anymore i don't i hate watching football and i don't so it's just because all i see are all these head hits going going under the radar and kind of just brushed and swept under the rug but so it's tough to watch and see the sport you love still still be kind of dangerous in terms of how they treat concussions and how they're aware of them because there's not a lot of awareness and that's something i wanted to do today was just bring awareness to whoever is listening to this and like i'm not not here to scare anybody out of playing contact sports. I love contact sports. I grew up playing hockey. I'm not going to deny that. But I feel like there's a long way to go in terms of how we recognize and understand and properly treat concussions. I mean, Mm -hmm. my whole 10, 12 years playing hockey, I was never told once about what a concussion even is. You just just hear the word, think it's like another injury. But the actual definition for post-concussion syndrome is any, any concussion symptoms lot lasting longer than two weeks.
0: So, oh really? Okay.
1: Yeah. So even, even my first concussion was abnormal if you look at it, cause it took four weeks. So like I didn't even take that into account. Nobody, nobody drew those lines for me together. So I had to look at that uh, at the end of it all and go, yeah, I probably should have waited a little bit longer until I hopped back in and played. So, but the, the biggest thing that I would want people to know is just you don't need to be afraid of concussions but you need to take them seriously and you need to get them properly treated that was the biggest thing for me is there there is good treatment out there and proper ways to heal yourself but it took me about eight months to get in front of a doctor that actually tried to do something else than other than just push medication on me push pills on me and i was like that's not a fix that's a crutch uh, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for lifestyle changes and, like, how to manage this because it, it took a, took over a whole mind of its own, and it's a multi-web aspect thing. It affects emotional health, physical health, your mental health. It, it, it does it all, and it's literally because it's your brain. It controls your entire body, how you function, how you feel, how you think.
0: Are you happy with your post-hockey life?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was really tough for a while just feeling, you know, I mean a bunch of a bunch of post college grads feel this just lost after graduation, not knowing what the heck's going to happen, and I just happened to stumble upon a profession that was actually the last thing I thought I was going to get into, which ended up being teaching. I graduated from Stony Brook in 2019 with a degree in Spanish Language and Literature, the minor in business, and graduating with a major in spanish literally teaching spanish was the last thing i wanted to do i had no interest in it and then i moved up to this tiny small farm town called lakeview oregon and i moved up there because i got shoulder surgery to repair an old hockey injury and went up to live with my mom and my aunt and somebody came by the house one day and just mentioned that they had an opening for a for a Spanish teacher down at the high school. And so I literally walked into the district office one day in my slides, (laughs) shorts, and my favorite Mac Miller t-shirt in my big old pillow sling, the shoulder surgery sling that they give you. And I was like, hey, well, I heard you guys are looking for a Spanish teacher. And this this lady's eyes, (laughs) it was working there. Her eyes just got so big. She was so excited. And it's because this tiny little town, they don't get access to very many teachers and I didn't know this until I started working there but I was super understaffed. They actually didn't even have a Spanish teacher before the year I was there. They did all online learning and it ended up <laughs> what I found out from the students after teaching them for a couple of days is that they didn't learn anything <laughs> from that <laughs> online stuff. They didn't know absolutely a word of Spanish and I had to teach Spanish two to kids that didn't learn Spanish one because they told me there was a glitch on the online class and they could just copy and paste, right click and translate. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I understand that I was a college student. I did the exact same thing. So that makes sense. But I had to adjust very quickly and ended up teaching all years of high school. So 14 eight to 18 years old when I'm only 23, very very short age gap there, and then taught Spanish 1 and 2, and then I also taught an intro to business class, which I was severely underqualified for. <laughs> all I did was have a minor in business, and then all of a sudden I was teaching business to high schoolers when I have never had a job that requires business knowledge, so that was interesting. It's a funny one. We had a good time out. <laughs>
0: I thought teaching was always in your plan. I didn't realize it was something that you just fell into.
1: Yeah, no, literally was never part of the plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just planning on doing whatever job, but in two languages, just with Spanish and the English. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But being bilingual is definitely not a bad thing in today's world. So especially Spanish and the United States, it's it's everywhere here.
0: Were you able to carry anything over from your hockey career into your professional career?
1: Yeah, I mean, I beyond school, I mean, school teaches you a little bit, but hockey taught me most of how to be a person to be honest and teaches you how to, to do things that are hard. You'd be surprised at how many people just fold when they're doing something that gives them the slightest bit of resistance or slightest bit of adversity. And that's the one thing that's t- I've taken away from hockey and even the training for hockey off the ice, like working out. I mean, I remember doing lifts up in Tahoe that were very dangerous. Now that I look back at it <laughs> way too much, weight way too much weight for a high schooler. But I mean, like it didn't seem like it at the time. Cause I never looked at it as too much or that's crazy. I looked at it as let's get after it and, and, and figure out how to do this. And so, That's all I did every single day. I had zero teaching credentials. All I did was apply for a one-year emergency teacher license. I got accepted for that. I had no qualifications. And all I did every single day was figure it out. And that's what I did. I mean, I would work all day. And then after that, I'd go home, work out, eat dinner, all that. And then I'd go back to the school every night. Literally every night after school, I'd go back from around 7 to 9 p.m. And plan for the next day because I had no idea what we were doing the next day until I planned it the night before. And that's something my students will never know unless they <laughs> just magically hear this. But there's some days I would make up the lesson as the bell was ringing for class to start. I'd be like, yeah, actually, we're going to do this today. And I would just completely change it up and roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the biggest thing I took from hockey. And, like, obviously the teamwork and communication is huge. But I just think dealing with adversity is something that most kids unfortunately don't learn unless they play I mean, I don't know how else you learn it without playing competitive sports. So mm-hmm. there's another way, let me know.
0: <laughs> no, I like that. I think that's um that was a really great answer. So what does the future hold for you?
1: Well, now I actually have a little bit of an idea. Um so I'm I, I absolutely love teaching, and that's that's what I'm going to put my efforts towards for at least the next couple years. You know, that's what I want to do for a while. I'm not sure how long, but that's what I'm going to be focusing my efforts towards for the next foreseeable future. But uh, I was, I'm going back teaching this year in Oregon. I'm picking up a new position. I'm now the ESL department head. I'm teaching English as a second language. So now I'm teaching both Spanish and English, both as foreign languages. So teaching Spanish to kids that only speak English and teaching English to kids that only speak Spanish. So that's going to be interesting. Very excited for that. But I was originally supposed to be in Spain probably in a few weeks, to be honest, but to start a master's program specifically for teaching, teaching Spanish as a foreign language. And I was going to go get that done in the land of the Spanish. That's where it makes sense. So luckily The program had an option where I could defer the acceptance, so I'm still accepted into the program. It's just for fall 2021 now instead of fall 2020 because 2020 is an absolute wash.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds awesome. Sounds like you're on a good track and, you know, your life might not involve hockey anymore, but sounds like it still impacted you a ton and you're moving forward with all the skills that you learned from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, uh, that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, when I was playing hockey, you think it's like, that's, that's the only thing in the world for you. And to anybody who's approaching the end of their hockey avenues, right? You get to the end of the high school, you got to figure out if you're doing juniors going to college, you get to college, you got to figure out if you're doing pro, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sports are fantastic, but it's, it's not everything. And, I'm so grateful for all my, for all my sports adventures and all the connections made there, log, log, legit life long lasting friendships that I'm certain I'll keep. So there's that, but it's just, it's not everything and you can't, sometimes you can't plan it. You're just going to stumble upon something like I did. So if you're approaching that, those formative years where you're trying to make some big life moves, big decisions, just roll with the punches and see where it takes you. You don't have to plan anything because most of the times it's just going to fall on your lap
0: love it well thank you for letting me interview you
1: absolutely i'm freaking honored to be one of the first on here even though i'm not the first
0: but one of the first you're gonna be episode 11
1: right there (laughs) It's my new number yeah but that's great that's great thanks for letting me share and if anybody needs to reach out with concussion recovery and Needs help looking for doctors or treatment and stuff like that can somehow get a hold of me. Parker Bishop fourteen on Instagram and Twitter can DM me. I'm always open to helping people with that just because I know how hard the road can be and it's uh, still still a battle for me to this day. So I know what's going on. If you need to need to vent, that's all I gotta say
0: to end it. Thank you.